At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is odds on with mike palm and amal shaw live from the circus sportsbook on vcin the sports betting network Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He is Amal Shaw. It's episode 92, Bird's Eye View. That's right. We have Ian Eagle from CBS Sports going to join us in about 15 minutes. Amal, I'm excited. He's going to call the first game on Saturday from Nashville between the Cincinnati Bengals and the number one seeded Tennessee Titans. Should be a terrific matchup. We'll get his take on that one. And also, of course, we'll talk about that key matchup between Kansas City and Buffalo. You know, for either one of these teams, it's a huge advantage not having to face off against both teams. Having to only play one of them, I think really bodes well for whichever team gets through in Nashville. He's seen all four of these AFC teams plenty of times being the number two crew for CBS. Uh, Twice he's called the Titans games, three times the Bengals, three times the Bills, and four times the Chiefs. So we'll ask him about his thoughts on those matchups. Monday night football, we wrap. Go ahead. I was just asking if you're stalking Iron Eagle. No, I'm not stalking him at all. Monday night football, we wrapped up wild card weekend with a no contest in SoFi. Amal, you had to feel good early on in that game that your future tickets on the Rams marched on rather easily. Well, they did. It was funny. A friend of mine who's also on the same side, he sends me a text and he goes, what a domination by the Rams. I said, no, no, no. This is an abomination by the Cardinals. I didn't think the Rams were overwhelmingly impressive. I thought the Cardinals were just horrifically bad. I I don't think you can give the Rams. I'm not taking anything away from their performance. And as you know, I need the Rams. But to me, I I think it is a real misnomer to sit there and suggest that this team was dominant the way New England was or Kansas City was. I thought that the Cardinals had no clue what was going on. How about Kyler Murray with that seventh grade pass out of the end zone there? What is going on here, buddy? You're in the back of the end zone. You got about two seconds to get rid of the ball and live to see another down. I thought at the time that the the challenge by McVay was not warranted there. I thought it was a catch, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal to have third and seven versus them having the ball at the 25 when they haven't moved it at all. But it turns out it got him seven points because he underhand flipped it uh, Sandlot style. Well, not only that, I actually thought it was worth it completely. Go ahead. Well, first of all, he had plenty of time to throw there. You're snapping the ball from the four-yard line. You know you can't sit back there all day and do that. His performance was absolutely garbage. And it, it, boy, it was Michael Lombardi's criticism of this guy and Buddy Ryan's statement. There's a place for the little man in football. It's just not in front of the big man. Murray was awful. 19 to 34 for 137 with two interceptions. If I'd have told you Stafford would outrush him by 20 yards, you'd have told me this was a 23 point game, and it sure was. You're absolutely <laughs> right on that. I mean, it really was. And I'll tell you what, though, how about Arizona's inability to stop the run? Rams gashing them on mm-hmm. the ground. 
The only criticism I had of the Rams was I thought Odell Beckham Jr. when they got down, but when he caught the ball at about the two-yard line, I thought he could have put a shoulder into the guy and gotten into the end zone. They had to run three plays there or two plays from the goal line to be able to get in. A little bit surprising they couldn't get in there, and finally they had to challenge the Stafford play. The Rams were competent is what they were last night. Great, they great were... word choice. Now, here's another thing I have a little bone to pick with. Why use a trick play when the game's already decided? I thought the exact same thing. I thought it was completely unnecessary. Why not save that for a later time? So many times when I see teams do that, whether at the collegiate or the NFL level, in situations where it's unnecessary, I just don't get it. Why not utilize it in a different situation? Okay, uh, you probably already have answered this question, and, and I'm of the same opinion as you. Who had the most disappointing performance of the Wild Card Weekend? It's got to be Arizona, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's Arizona, but I would also put Dallas up there. I thought the Cowboys were – Kyle Shanahan, to his credit, did everything to make sure everyone tuned into the end of this football game. This shouldn't have been a game. It should have been like every other game this weekend outside of the Raiders and the Bengals. You should have been looking for something to do in the second half of this football game. And to me, Kyle Shanahan allowed the San Francisco 49ers to not pull away because of the play calling and the decision making. How about the Patriots' performance? I, look, I don't understand why you're all surprised. I've been telling you all along, this guy, Bill Belichick's not as good as you all think he is without the two greatest offensive and defensive players in the history of the game, without Lawrence Taylor and without uh, Tom Brady. Bill Belichick doesn't do anything. What One one playoff appearance in five years in Cleveland. Where are those rings in Cleveland? Are they going to have a, uh, is NFL Network going to have a program called Missing Rings in Cleveland? You must be somewhat surprised or you would have laid the four with Buffalo. You're correct on oh, that. I thank you. <laughs> All right, let's flip it the other way. Who had the most impressive performance of the weekend? My vote goes to the Bills. Um, I would say Buffalo won. I thought Kansas City was terrific. You know, the scores they gave up against Pittsburgh came once the game was out of control. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem. Buffalo they scored every possession. They hit the ball. But don't you think almost every team that won, including San Francisco, I thought they all looked really good through stretches of the game. Tampa, Kansas City, Buffalo. The Rams, even during the first half, defensively were outstanding. Uh, I thought Cincinnati played well for the most part. And I thought the 49ers were pretty dominant for the most part. Yeah, they all look good at times. I... I... If I come away with a negative feeling about any of the teams, it's probably the Bengals, though, that they couldn't put that Raiders team away, a Raiders team that didn't want to run Josh Jacobs. I mean, if you're going to have Carb drop back 50 times, you should win by more than a touchdown. I would agree with you. Yeah. I just thought they're a little – I think they, there's some vulnerability on defense there. Now, can Tannehill take advantage of it? We'll see on Saturday. Yeah, but I thought there's always been vulnerability with the Cincinnati defense. That's the one thing you point to. They, You almost feel like they've got to outscore opponents. Now, both of these teams, Tennessee and Cincinnati, are looking at a positive situation where I think they're facing off in a, uh, against an opponent that they believe they can beat. And then if they get through that game, whether you have to go to uh, Orchard Park or Kansas City for the Cincinnati Bengals, you still like your chances with your offense. And then on the flip side, if you're Tennessee, you get to host one of these two teams, you're in great shape. All right, let's take a look at updated conference uh, future odds. We'll start with the NFC. You've said them all. You think this is the Packers' year. Um, they are plus 160 right now. Buccaneers plus 210. Your Rams are plus 330. And the 49ers plus 550. Your Rams ticket is at what price to win the conference? Six to one? Yeah. Okay. So you have value there already. They're, they're half of that right now. Uh, any value here, as you see now, we know what the final four lay out in the, in the NFC. Well, look, I think the Buccaneers and the 49ers are both in a little bit of trouble because of the injuries. Tristan Wirfs is not expected to play. Jensen's got a, a banged up ankle. And you're going up against a Rams team with Von Miller and, of course, Aaron Donald. They're playing well. Last time these two teams faced off, remember, with a healthy line, they got 16 pressures and three sacks 
against this team. So now, if you can get home against them, or you can attempt to run the ball as effectively as you did, or if you get Cup and Beckham involved offensively, Matthew Stafford didn't overwhelm, but I think he was, what, 13 for 17? 13 for, yeah, they didn't ask him to do too much. They didn't ask him to do too much, but I thought he made the throws that were necessary. I thought he made a nice touchdown pass to Beckham on that throw uh, instead of the horrific fades we see every other weekend in the NFL. I think both of these teams are situated extremely well. You know, going to Tampa is a challenge on a shorter week, but you are coming off the fact that this Tampa team is banged up right now. Does it concern you the Rams beat Tampa in week three in SoFi? No Antonio Brown in that game. Obviously, no Antonio Brown now. Is there any sort of revenge factor or forget about that now that we're down to the final eight? Well, I think a combination of both. I do like the revenge angle. I think you generally tend to see it. It's something that plays a factor in it. But at the same time, I think the injuries might be too much to overcome. Remember last year at this time, Tampa was completely healthy. Now they've been decimated by injuries, and that's the problem for them at this point. I think it's going to be interesting. Stafford's going to have to prove himself in this spot, right? They're not going to let Akers and Michelle run for 100 yards. You're not just going to be able to line up the ball and hand it to one of those two backs against Tampa. You must beat Tampa through the air. It'll be on Stafford's plate. He does get the monkey off his back, though. Finally got his first playoff win last night. Yeah, he finally did, and uh, I think that'll bode well for them moving forward. And uh, so we'll see. You know, for me, I'm, it's interesting. I'm looking at because I've got a six to one, I've got a seven, and I've got a nine to one on this team. But I've got the bigger play on a six to one. Uh, to me, when I look at it, I, I, I'm waiting to see. Because, look, I think the Packers are going to win the game against the 49ers. San Francisco, if Bosa doesn't play, I think they're in serious trouble. You need his ability to get after Aaron Rodgers. They're surgical if you give him time. And I think with the running game the way it's been this year, I think it's going to be tough against this Green Bay team. Well, there were two reasons that San Francisco dominated that game in Dallas, although the final score doesn't indicate it. Their ability to run the ball and the front front four got pressure on Dak. Yeah, but do you believe they'll be able to get home the way they did against Dak Prescott in this company? Because Rodgers, first of all, is far better in terms of sidestepping pressure, making the right decision, getting rid of the ball quickly when pressure. If they feel like they're getting beat, I think you'll see them adjust on their play calling. The Dallas offensive line was disappointing. Yes, folks have suggested they're living off reputation. Do you think the Packers' offensive line is better than the the Cowboys' offensive line in terms of pass blocking? I think it can be, and, and I think they will be in this game. Okay, I think this is an interesting matchup. I think if Bosa's healthy, this is going to be a very, very good game. Yeah, he had the concussion last weekend for anybody that missed it. Uh, a friendly fire, unfortunately, got him on that one as Jones was coming around the other side. But, you know, line we've seen tick up a point and a half. I'm really not that surprised. Aaron Rodgers, what is he, 0-3 against San Francisco in his career in the postseason? Got an opportunity to avenge that right here. I, I just think playing at Lambeau, night game, is going to be cold weather. This bodes well for the Packers. We're going to talk about the AFC matchups with yeah. Ian uh, in the next segment. I want to take a look at one more prop, and that's winning division, Amal. Which division will win the Super Bowl? The NFC North with the Packers is favored at plus 350. The second ch- choice is tied between at 4-1 to one, between Kansas City and the AFC West. But also the NFC West, you get the Rams and the 49ers, and they're split out. Right. So you get two shots to have one of them uh, in, in the NFC Championship game. Then the AFC East is 5-1 to one with the Bills. The South, plus 550 with Tampa Bay uh, in the NFC. AFC South and Tennessee are 850 and 12-1 to one on Cincinnati in the AFC North. The NFC East and Cowboys and Eagles are out. Yeah, the NFC West is really intriguing simply because if somehow if the 49ers and the Rams both advance, you get a buy into the Super Bowl. So you're in great shape there. Um, I just don't know if it happens. Look, if San Francisco were healthy and if Jimmy Garoppolo had a sell, uh, sell – <laughs> Just a semblance of self-confidence. I think they could get past this team. But I'm telling you, Mike, if you go back and watch, after that throw he missed against Brandon Ayuk, I honestly don't want this guy throwing the ball in the game. Remember that throw to Kittle, which we thought would have been a fumble? Yeah. 
He didn't even have enough ability. He aimed that ball right into the ground. You, you, you're going to do well against Aaron Rodgers? Get out of here with this guy. Weather a factor in Green Bay on, uh, on Saturday night? You know, look, I, I think it's an advantage. I know uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went to Eastern Illinois, but that's a far different weather than you see in Green Bay at night game cold. I always think the weather is a factor from a cold standpoint. I know people say oh, it doesn't matter. I, I think it does. I, I think if you're not used to it, if you're not acclimated to it, it could be a factor. You think Stafford has a better chance of going into Lambeau next weekend than Garoppolo does this weekend? Well, I think in terms he, of just quarterback performance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I would be offended to even make a comparison of Jimmy Garoppolo to Matthew Stafford. Well, obviously, I know if the Rams have a running game, they can run the ball against the Packers. Remember, the Packers' rush defense is the bottom of the league. Yeah. We saw Cleveland on Christmas Day run the ball all over them. Yeah, but if you're Green Bay, you focus in on stopping the run, and you say, if Jimmy G beats us, God bless you, go ahead, move on to Tampa or to Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up next, we're going to have Ian Eagle of CBS Sports. He'll be calling the game in Tennessee on Saturday, and we'll take a look at both AFC matchups. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge your leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, or Mall's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw, and I want as much time as I can for our guest. Calls the NFL for CBS Sports, the college basketball tournament, Brooklyn Nets. The resume is too long to go on, but I have to tell you this, Ian. I was so excited on Friday. A friend of mine texted me, and he said, hey, Eagle is calling the 49er Cowboy game on Sunday. I was so happy. I said, Father Time and Romo, they have to go to Orchard Park. We're going to get to hear Ian in Texas. And then it turns out it was your son on Nickelodeon. (laughs) And did you tune in for that broadcast? Is there an addendum to this story or it ended there on the Friday text? No, he did. He did a great job. We actually had the feed on here at the casinos. You know, that feed was actually ahead of 
the, of, of the CBS feed by like six seconds. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it, it, it well, is. Well, for us, better, better it matters. <laughs> you were getting slime before yes. you were actually seeing the touchdowns on CBS. That's that's incredible. All right, Ian, you're going to be calling the game in Nashville on Saturday afternoon between the top seed Tennessee uh, and the four seed, the Cincinnati Bengals. You had the Bengals um, three times this year at the Raiders, at the Broncos, and then at home against the Chargers. You had the Titans t- twice, that great win against the Chiefs in Week 7, and then at the Patriots in Week 12. So you've seen these two teams plenty of times. The line sits at 3.5 right now. How do you analyze this games in terms of how Tennessee is going to attack this Bengals defense? Yeah, I always find it interesting going into the divisional round because you definitely get some people that get behind the team that wins the wild card because it's the freshest in their mind. And in the new playoff format, not to say you forget about the one seed, but you don't have the same recollection because it's not at the front of your mind. Tennessee, uh, they really had a remarkable year, all things considered. The fact that Derrick Henry goes down week eight and they go six and three the rest of the way. They went six and two with Henry in the lineup. And let's not forget, he was having an MVP type season. I believe he would have been in the conversation if he stayed healthy the entire year. But they not only tread water, Mike Vrabel finds new ways to get this team motivated. And it's not always pretty. It's it's not always dazzling and dynamic offense. They're really opportunistic on defense. They did run the ball effectively enough without Henry eventually settling on Deontay Foreman. Offensive line, uh, good, but a lot of sacks for Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill hasn't had as good a season as he had in, in the previous years, and yet they're the number one seed. But I don't feel a lot of buzz around the Titans. I feel more buzz. I don't know if you guys have felt this way around Cincinnati because they just won. They broke the 31 year curse and Joe Burrow is a stud. So I'm sensing a lot of the momentum, at least collectively around the league, around the country is angling more towards Cincinnati this week. than if you told me this matchup was going to happen a week prior. Ian, you mentioned the two coaches. They are in the betting markets, the two favorites for coach of the year. You mentioned Zach Taylor took a team that was 25 to one to win their division, right? Against those, those other three stalwarts in in one regard. And then you have Mike Vrabel who without his best player, Derek Henry got the one seed in the AFC. If you were a voter, which way would you lean here? A voter, I would give Mike Vrabel the honor, but I would tell you that Zach Taylor is right there with him. Vrabel would get the nod just based on the major injury that they dealt with and and the fact that they overcame it and still got the one seed. Taylor did a a tremendous job with this group. Uh, As you mentioned, I had them three times on TV. I had them on radio as well pretty early in the season on a Thursday night game. And every time I met with them, I was even more impressed in – his bedside manner in how he relates to his players and maybe to go a step further, because I don't think Mike Brown and the Brown family has gotten a lot of credit through the years. If anything, they've gotten a lot of criticism, the patience that it showed to stick with Zach Taylor, to believe that he was the right guy after what they did his first two years, a lot of teams would have dumped him and moved on. They didn't Duke Tobin has done an outstanding job helping to put this team together. Their drafts have been 
doubles, doubles, triples, home runs, as we know, with Burrow and Chase. Free agent signings. Hendrickson, one of the best additions in the NFL during the offseason. So it's really been a collective effort. I do think Zach Taylor deserves a lot of the credit, but I think the patience of ownership and the way that the GM has structured this team has put them in the position that they're in right now. We're talking with Ian Eagle, the voice of the NFL on CBS Sports, also their college basketball team, and the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Ian, obviously Derrick Henry being out has a huge impact on this Tennessee offense. In my opinion, outside of a quarterback, the most impactful offensive player in the NFL. Coming off of foot surgery, how much of an impact do you believe he could have this week for this team? Because I think it makes Tannehill better. I think it makes A.J. Brown and Julio Jones better if he's in the lineup. This is a guy that averages 27 carries and a buck 17 per game if he's healthy. I think it changes this team completely. Yes, game changer, season changer, maybe, dare I say, championship changer. That's how much of an impact he could have if he's healthy. The, the problem, as we know, is we don't, we don't really know how he's going to be able to handle it and how much they're going to lean on him. Do they keep him on a pitch count because they don't want to push it? We're not privy to what's happening behind the scenes. There was a thought maybe he would get in there before the end of the regular season just to, to get that feeling back. But uh, let me tell you, the guy has been superhuman, so I'm not going to go on the airwaves and tell you that uh, your, your expectation should be muted. Uh, he's, he's a bulldozer. He's physically imposing. In a league that has big guys at every position and guys that are intimidating when they walk in a room, this guy is right at the top of the list. He stands out in that position. He is really unique, and he does change their team. He, he changes the way you have to defend them. So everything you laid out is on the money. Uh, I just don't know what we can truly expect from Derrick Henry and uh, whether or not they can lean on him as much as they normally would, or do they spread it around a bit because – uh, they have played well without him, and to put it all on his shoulders in a playoff game, having not played for for two and a half months, ah, it's, it's a tall order. I am the other AFC divisional matchup in Arrowhead late Sunday afternoon. It's a rematch of a game from October 10th on Sunday Night Football, a game in which the yep. Bills dominated the Chiefs on the road 38-20. This number is short of three at two right now or two and a half, depending on where you're looking at it, which surprised many people. The Chiefs like to play man coverage, which makes them very susceptible to Josh Allen beating them with his legs. What are they going to have to do to turn around the results from the first meeting? Yeah, it's, it's really intriguing to me because both teams probably didn't live up to what we thought they were going to be over the course of this season, but they eventually got there, and it was a bit circuitous. Buffalo had them right out of the gate, had them against Pittsburgh, and it was a shocking loss. And it did set the tone a bit, even though they won a few games in a row after that. There was just something that didn't feel right about them. They got everything situated at the end of the season, and they're playing their best ball at the right time. Kansas City had a bunch of their games early. They weren't playing well. They were winning those games, but they were winning against lower competition. And then you mentioned the Tennessee game. That was when it all hit rock bottom and people started to really question whether or not this team had the goods this year. The, the one thing that struck me calling that Buffalo and new England game, in addition to being just completely frozen out of my gorge, <laughs> I, 
I must say that Josh Allen had a command that I felt a couple years earlier with Patrick Mahomes. Every time he took the ball from under center or in a shotgun snap, I thought something positive would happen with Mahomes a couple of years ago. I felt the same exact thing with Josh Allen when he played the game in New England late in the season and then obviously the playoff game where they were nearly perfect. First seven possessions, seven touchdowns. You can't do it any better. I think Buffalo right now, believe it or not, is the more balanced team. And I would not be surprised if the Bills go in there and take care of business. Ian, real quickly, we got about uh, 30 seconds here. Should the Nets be trying to get the sixth seed in the playoffs so that they get Kyrie in the majority <laughs> of the games? I have heard that as, as a philosophy. I don't believe they will subscribe to it. <laughs> But I get it. I understand based on the current circumstance, it it might work to their advantage. It's a very odd situation. Maybe something gets sorted out before this thing is done. Ian, have a great weekend of the game in Nashville, and we appreciate the time. Yeah, always love being on with you guys. See ya. Thank you. Thank you. Carly Simon had a song about him. Nobody does it better. (laughs) Great, By the way, great song from James Bond. When's Jim Nance retiring? All right, up next, (laughs) we're going to run the court with college basketball. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VSIN.com. Welcome back to Odds On. I'm Mike Palm with the Mall Shaw. Hopefully, we'll be in the same spot overlooking Stadium Swim as we were last year. We did a little. Pre-game hit, and then at halftime, uh, was they went to halftime. Hopefully it'll be a little warmer in Vegas uh, like it was last year. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm looking forward to it, though, and what a great venue that is at Stadium Swim. All right, let's get into some college basketball and ball here um, for the for the next two segments. And a good, a good Super Tuesday schedule again today, especially in the Big 12. And let's start out at 2 o'clock on ESPN2 from the West Virginia Coliseum in Morgantown. We've got fifth-ranked Baylor at West Virginia. Baylor comes in 15-2, and 3-2 and two in the Big 12. Amal, they're the first ever AP number one team to lose two games at home in the same week. They lost at home to Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, ending their perfect season. You said West Virginia would struggle at Kansas. They played pretty well in the first half Saturday, but got run out in the second half um, at the Fog. The Mountaineers, Amal, Amal come in 13-3, and 2-2 two and two in the Big 12, 10-0, and 0, a perfect 10-0 and 0 at home this year. Baylor, from the overnight of six and a half down to six, but now back up to six and a half, your total a point down one thirty-seven and a half. Yeah, I, I actually look at this total a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. side with the under here, Mike. I think we're going to see a tremendous defensive effort out of Baylor. This is where they hang their hat. James Akinjo dealing with an injury. Check on him. Going to be a game time decision in this one. The Mountaineers, Mike, for me, the big problem, and it continues to be a problem for Bob Huggins' team. They don't shoot the ball well. So when you play elite level competition. You can't just rely on forcing turnovers and causing the other team to be uh, really in a jam offensively. You've got to be able to outscore some teams at some point in time. 31% from beyond the arc, just 43% from the floor, and now you're playing an elite-level defensive team. I don't like this number. I think the number's right where it should be, but I think this is a game I would look towards the under here simply because 
I, I think Baylor can hold you under 60 if they really come out with a tremendous defensive effort. All right, let's go to 6 p.m. Pacific time on ESPNU from United Supermarkets Arena in Lubbock, Texas. This is a rematch, Jamal. Iowa State at Texas Tech. Iowa State comes in ranked 15th, 14-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in the Big 12. Texas Tech ranked 18th, 13-4, and 3-2 and two in the Big 12. Remember the game back on January 5th, just 13 days ago. Iowa State won at Hilton. 51-47. Texas Tech was without their top two scores and hit a half-court three-pointer to cover the five-point margin at the buzzer. Now, Texas Tech finally ended that gauntlet run in Manhattan on Saturday, finally losing. That was their fifth game in 11 days when they lost at Kansas State. Iowa State, five-point favorites at Hilton. We now see this number. Texas Tech, eight at home with a total up from the overnight of 126.5 to 129 them all. I'll tell you one big thing for Texas Tech that bodes well. They get Terrence Shannon back in the lineup. He did play against K-State. They came up short in that game in Bramlage. But now you've got an opportunity here. I feel like this number's a little bit high. Uh, but I'm not going to take Iowa State plus eight here because I think Texas Tech is very capable of running them out of Lubbock in this one. Revenge spot, as you alluded to. I think the Red Raiders guns up, gets it done here. But I don't want to lay eight with them. Tell me about the total. They scored 98 points in Ames. Yeah. Now it's 129. 29, uh, 31 points higher than the than the total of the first game. Does that make you look at the under? No, I just think it was a poor shooting night. I, I think both teams really struggled to shoot the basketball. I think they'll be able to bounce back uh, in that sense. But, I, I mean, to me, that was one of those games that's an aberration from a shooting percentage. Uh, but we know the Red Raiders can really defend. That's There's no question about that. But, I mean, to expect these two teams to be at 98 points, and just pulling up the numbers right now, they were combined 10 for 42 from the three-point line. If you're going to rely on that kind of percentage to be able to win these games, and of course, Texas Tech struggled with the free-throw line as well, six for 15. Ooh. Now, remember on Friday when we didn't know the numbers, I said Iowa State was hosting Texas on Saturday. Yeah. And I said, I'll make the number 123 and a half. And you said go over. It was yeah. actually 121 and a half. Flew over. To, uh, they got 149 there in Ames. Look, you have to understand something. In college basketball, when a team plays in a certain environment, Iowa State at home, there is a difference in terms of how games are officiated because of the crowd, tempo of play. When you go down to Austin, we've seen teams struggle. Uh, West Virginia couldn't score the basketball to save their life. Oklahoma struggled. But when you look at these games, when they go on, on an away floor, it's a different dynamic. And that's why we saw such a high-scoring game in which Iowa State won. All right, also at 6 p.m. Pacific time on the SEC Network, Tennessee at Vanderbilt from the Memorial Gymnasium. Something's got to give here, Amal. Tennessee is 0-3 on the road in the SEC, having lost to Kentucky, LSU, and Alabama. Vanderbilt's 0-2 at home in the SEC, having lost to Kentucky and South Carolina. Tennessee still ranked 24th, 11-5, and 2-3 and and in the conference. Vandy, 10-6, and 2-2. Two and two. This is an interesting matchup. One thing I think we'll see out of Tennessee in this game is a tremendous defensive effort. They got embarrassed by Kentucky in terms of what their performance was. Kentucky shot the ball extremely well. I mean, they went over 100 in that one. When does a Rick Barnes team give up 100 points? This team's got to play better defensively. And the one thing they allowed in that game was too many layups for Kentucky. There were just too many easy shots at the rim. I just don't think this Vanderbilt team led by Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to be able to do that. Tennessee, uh, excuse me, uh, Kentucky with Wheeler, just a different dynamic at the point guard position. Uh, the numbers here, what, six and a half? Six and a half with a total of 134 and a half. You know, these two teams met last year in Nashville. And Tennessee kind of in a little bit of turmoil where, the pro, I mean, where they were in the middle of the season. They bounced back and really stymied Vanderbilt. I think we could see something like that out of the big orange here in this one. Uh, 
again, not going to touch this game. I would prefer to take the home team, but I can't do it. If you said I had to play this game, I would go with the road team. Okay, 4 o'clock on ESPN from the Lloyd, Lloyd Noble Center in Norman. Seventh-ranked Kansas visits Oklahoma. Kansas 14-2, and 3-1 and one in the Big 12, 2-1 and one in true road games this year. Remember the loss in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Oklahoma 12-5, and 2-3 and three in conference. Um, they lost at Texas and at TCU in overtime over the weekend. Now they get to come back home. Kansas laying four on the road with a total of 142.5. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup here, and number not surprised is ticking up. I played this on the overnight at 3.5 with KU. Um, I would take them, obviously, at, at four, but it's not. Once it goes over four, I wouldn't touch it at 4.5 because that's a number you can at least get a push on. It's going to be tough to cover a big number on the road, but Mike, I just think Kansas is a more complete team. And then you referenced that West Virginia game at the fog on Saturday did not play well in the first half. Braun missed a couple of easy lay-ins. They just were out of sorts. The second half defensively came out and absolutely locked down West Virginia. Porter Moser's team's done a nice job at home so far, but we've seen them struggle on the road. They've had some tough matchups at Baylor, at Texas, at Texas tech, that Texas triangle has been a challenge for them so far. We'll see what happens as they get back home here tonight at Lloyd Noble. I'm going to go with KU. I still think, this is going to sound dumb. I think Baylor's the best team in the league. I think Kansas is going to win the league. But I think at the end of the day, when you go into March, I think Baylor's going to have a deeper run than Kansas will. Um, I I think KU, just in conference play, Bill Self's teams just know how to perform. When the pressure mounts, they just don't play the same way. It's like Matt Painter closing out games. All right, at 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 from the XL Center in Hartford, Butler at UConn. In the Big East matchup, Butler nine and seven, two and three in league play. UConn now ranked twenty fifth, eleven and four, uh, two and two in league play. We remember Butler last losing by forty at Villanova. UConn comes off back to back overtime games, losing at Seton Hall, winning at home against St. John's. Just a big number of them all, thirteen and a half. With a total of 125. It is, but when you look at Butler, they don't have a go-to score, whether it's Harris, Golden, Bolden, or Taylor. These are guys that are just all around 10, 11 points per game. They don't have enough consistency. They don't have that one creator that can go get you a bucket when you need it. I think this Connecticut team is far better than they've gotten credit for. Danny Hurley, obviously, at the, at the very least, the second-best Hurley coach in the family, and it's not Bobby who's number one. Uh, to me, I think this team has gone under the radar this year. I think they're dangerous. Cole's been a nice acquisition for this team coming in as a transfer. They've really done a nice job. 13 and a half, no play on this game either way. I don't like Butler, though. They just are inconsistent offensively. I think this is the kind of game of where UConn's defense shows up, they can really dominate. And I don't like when they play at the Excel Center, Mike, because when you're in stores, you get more of the, the students. It's a greater atmosphere at stores. Now at Hartford, a little bit of a different challenge here, but I still think UConn wins this game. Whether they cover or not remains to be seen. 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 local time from the Irwin Center in Austin. Kansas State visits Texas. Kansas State 9-7 and seven overall, 1-4 and four in league play. They broke their four-game losing streak with that home win against Texas Tech over the weekend. Texas ranked 23rd, 13-4 overall, 3-2 in the Big 12. They lost at Hilton on Saturday. The Longhorns, a perfect 11-0 at the Irwin Center. They're laying 10 and a half here, Amal, with a total of 125. Yeah, revenge game here for K-State. Uh, remember, Texas got them uh, early January, 70 to 57. Tell you what, Mike, this is 125. That wouldn't wound up at 127. That's fine. But I would look at the under here. Anytime Chris Beard's teams get embarrassed defensively, they come back with a tremendous effort. I'm going to tell you, this would be your type of play. First I was, half under? Yeah. I wasn't going to go fully first half under. I was going to go first half Texas. Oh, I, I think the horns here, probably minus six. 
I think they're going to stymie K-State here. I, I, this is a game where I think Texas, you're going to see a refocused defensive effort out of this team. Remember, we talked about that total the other day. They got absolutely boat raced up at uh, Hilton. Uh, now at the Irwin Center, I think Texas plays well defensively. I thought we were going to hear they were going to guard them on the tarmac. <laughs> they are going to guard them from getting the water. I can tell you that much. Uh, all right. When we come back, the Palm Reader Playbook at them all in. Both of us looking for a bounce back day, and we'll cover the rest of the college basketball slate. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with it. Colorado, 1 800 4700. Michigan, 1 800 270 Virginia, 1 888 And I will call 1 800 Bets Off. Playable in New Jersey is Play Sugar House Void. We're prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with professional reader Amal. Shaw, I'm all no good with the UNLV, fading UNLV yesterday. That game was over pretty early. San Jose State can't can't score. Well, it wasn't they can't score. They can't defend. No. UNLV couldn't miss a shot. They started the game 11 for 13. I think they were 7 for 8 from the three-point arc at one point in time. That game was a dead loser all the way through. Uh, give yeah. Wyoming credit. They go on the road. You know one mistake I made in that Nevada game? And you brought it up yesterday. Off, Steve Offer. Off. That's exactly right. Off. How is that loser? How are you people in Reno allowing that loser to be recycled up there? That guy can't coach. Why don't you go ask the people at Westwood what they think of him? There's a reason he's not back coaching in the Midwest. He's a god. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Okay, for me, we lose with the uh, the Cardinals' second leg of that teaser as well. I got off it at 14 nothing. I laid 12 and a half with the Rams. I could have middled myself on 12 uh, and a half on 11, but I just thought that the Cardinals' offense was completely incompetent at that point. I'm going to take Wisconsin on the overnight, minus two. It's three now. Look, Northwestern, big win at the Breslin Center, but you told me Michigan State's not a top-10 team. So I'm not putting as much weight in that victory as maybe some others have. Let's not forget Northwestern had lost three or four in a row before that game. Wisconsin's playing terrific. They went into Mackey, went wire-to-wire against Purdue. We thought this was a borderline tournament team. They might be a top three team in the Big Ten. I'll lay the small number on the road. I know it's not your type of play. 
It's not, but I'll tell you one thing to pay attention to, and this one is Pete Nance is back in the lineup for the Northwestern Wildcats. He's got an ankle injury, missed the game at the Breslin Center, which you alluded to. Team played still extremely well. I don't have a problem with this play. I know I talk about not generally laying points in the road, but I think Wisconsin, just with their style of play, they're going to be in every game. This Northwestern team, though, I think Collins, they're not going to make the tournament, but I think they're a far better team than they get credit for. While Jim Beheim's bitching about not making the NCAA tournament, this Northwestern team actually should get in over his. They, these guys should be the play-in game when somehow Beheim will be nine games under 500 still getting in a play-in game. Uh, I, Mike, Wisconsin, Johnny Davis is playing outstanding. I don't think people are giving the Badgers enough credit for what they're doing right now in the Big Ten. Illinois with that loss, you got to look at Ohio State and the Badgers potentially to win the league. Yep. Yeah, it is a big loss for the rest of the league yesterday that Illinois couldn't pull that game out in overtime. Okay, where are you headed tonight, Amal? A couple of games. Going to start at a road game here. Lloyd Noble Center going on the road uh, with the KU. Got it at three and a half, now up to four, but I wouldn't take it past four. Um, I like this play. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't love it. I like it, um, but I would still lay it. I think Kansas is a more complete basketball team than Oklahoma. Their ability to score inside, outside doesn't make a difference. They're balanced. They can guard you. I, I like Kansas here. And then Manhattan, the Jaspers at home. Grady uh, Gymnasium tonight against Niagara. Niagara is a team that's a little bit hit or miss. They're well, they play well at home. Look, if you tune into this game, don't expect Manhattan to be an epic shooting team. But they will get every junk ball, rebound, and loose ball. Nobody gets more floor burns than Steve Masiello's team. I like Manhattan here, minus a point and a half, uh, laying the number here and get back on track today. All right, good luck to you. All right, let's go to <laughs> let's go to the Tucker it's not, Center. It's not a very disingenuous. No, it's not. I know it's not, but it just Tucker Center way. in Tallahassee, six o'clock Pacific time on ESPN. Sixth ranked Duke comes a calling on Leonard Hamilton and the Florida State Seminoles. Duke fourteen and two, four and one in the ACC. Remember the loss at home to Miami. They bounced back though and trounced. Your team, Flake Forest, on the road last week, 76-64. Florida State we were down on. They have strung up five out of six together, including that comeback victory at home over Miami. They're 10-5. and five. Still in the ACC race early, though, at 4-2. and two. Amal, the Blue Devils, laying a nickel here, minus five with a total of 145. Tell me why I should lay off of this game, because I lean Duke at this price. I lean Florida State at this okay. price because no team in the ACC matches up, generally speaking, better against Duke than Florida State has. Leonard Hamilton teams always play them tough. I think you'll have a fairly close to a uh, oh, somewhat capacity, uh, as you alluded to at the Tucker Center tonight. I think five is a big number here. It'll be laying on the road with Duke. Uh, I would take Florida State here. Didn't touch this game. I would love to get an ending game number of seven and a half or eight and a half with Florida State, and I'll take them. Look, Duke's a good basketball team. They've got an immense amount of talent, but they've got to put some consistency together. Even though they ended up beating NC State by 15 the other day, we know what Bancaro can do. I need to see it from Moore and all these guys more consistently. Moore's played well. They've got some good length inside. But to me, Florida State just finds ways. Good news is uh, Coach K is back, so Pete Cadet can watch this game from home tonight. All right, let's uh, let's move to the A-10. I'm all one of your favorite conferences tonight at 4 o'clock. Are we going P- to Dayton? Pacific time. Yes, for the University of Dayton Arena, we have Amal's favorite team, St. Bonaventure, uh, on the road here, 10-3, and 2-0 and in the A-10. You backed them on Friday, and they crushed VCU by 20, 73-53. Dayton 11-6, and 3-1 and in the A-10. Um, the common opponent, Virginia Commonwealth here, they, did, they lost at Virginia Commonwealth on January 5th, 53-52. That's their sole league loss. Dayton at home, Amal, lane two, with a total of 132. Intriguing matchup here. Now, if I were to play this game, I would take the road team. St. Bonnie's one of the most experienced teams in college basketball. You look at Holmes and Lofton and the rest of this team, 
uh, Attaway, they have five senior starters. I mean, and they've got guys that are fifth-year seniors as well. So very experienced. You look at Dayton, one of the youngest teams in Division One college basketball. It's going to be a challenge here. They're very reliant on the three-point shot, and I think it's going to be a challenge with Osuni underneath in terms of Dayton getting putbacks and easy opportunities. Dayton generally tends to out-athlete most of their opponents. I think this is going to be a pretty good watch, Mike. Um, I didn't play it, but I like the Bonnies here. I'm just not as high on Anthony Grant's team. They've got to show me that they can really score consistently. Big game in the in in the uh, in the uh, A10 though. All right, from the A10, let's go to the Metro Atlantic, another one of your favorite conferences. This game goes at four o'clock uh, Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern time, from the Ocean First Bank Center in West Long Branch, New Jersey. It's Iona at Monmouth. Iona six and zero in conference play, fourteen and three. Overall, this is a game that was supposed to be played on January 9th, but postponed. Monmouth 10 and five, uh, two and two in league, but they've lost three straight coming in here. This game was one and a half on the overnight in favor of the road team Iona. The Gales up to three with a total of 146. Them all. This is a good Iona team. Rick Pitino, obviously, we know he's a great coach, and I'll tell you, if you have not seen Tyson Jolly play for this team, take a look. This kid can really score the basketball. Iona. Look, they're a more complete team than Monmouth, but except in one area. Monmouth is one of the top 10 free-throw shooting teams in college basketball, nearing 80%. My King Rice's squad is really terrific at home. They have not shot the ball this year as well as they the last couple of years. They used to be tremendous from beyond the arc. Don't want to touch this game, but I'm going to lean with the road chalk here. I'm not going to play it. Uh, I would lean with Iona here, lane three. Okay. Back to the A-10. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports. From the Siegel Center in Richmond, Virginia, we have Davidson at Virginia Commonwealth. Davidson 14-2 and 4-0 in conference play. They come in the winners of 13 in a row against VCU. We mentioned they they got beat uh, handily at the Riley Center on Friday. They had won seven straight coming into that matchup. 10-5 and 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 3-1 overall. VCU, a two-point home favorite with a total of 132. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you want to see a good shooting basketball team, this is it in terms of what uh, uh, excuse me, Davidson can do. Remember Foster Lawyer at Michigan State? Shooting 47% for Bob McKillop's team from beyond the arc, 50% as a team collectively from the field, and over 40% from the three-point arc. Uh, look, I would normally take VCU at home here. They're always tough, but I think the way Davidson shoots the basketball and the lack of consistency out of VCU is my concern. Far better athletically are uh, the the, excuse me, uh, Virginia Commonwealth in this one. But I don't know. Davidson just plays smart basketball. We'll see what the Rams are able to do in this matchup. Going to stay away from this game. But, Mike, th- there are some games tonight. You know, you mentioned the Big 12. I think some of the better games are two of them in the A-10. This is one of them. The other one is between Dayton and St. Bonnie's. And then the, I think another good one is between Iona and Monmouth. I'm going to go to a, a Power 5 conference here because yeah. I think this next game is an interesting barometer of where both teams are really at. That's North Carolina at Miami. This game will be on the ACC Network, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock local time from the Watso Center in Coral Gables. Hubert Davis team 12-4, and 4-1 and one in the ACC. Their only loss being at Notre Dame. They've played very well at home, but going on the road again. Miami sitts atop the conference at 5-1, and 13-4 overall. That loss being at Florida State in a game I thought they had control of late on January 11th. The Tar Heels laying two and a half on the road, the total... Down from 158 on the overnight to 154. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised this number came down because both teams are content playing with tempo. North Carolina, terrific shooting team. Better than almost 39% from the three-pointer. Caleb Love's been tremendous. Amando Baycott has been outstanding inside. To me, when you look at uh, Miami, McGusty's been outstanding. Wong's played extremely well. 
Mike, I was looking at this game, and I, I couldn't decide on this one. Complete stay away here. Do you have an opinion on the one I like side? the home team catching points here. I, I was kind of leaning towards that, but my one concern is I think this is the kind of matchup where Carolina is more talented than the opponent, yeah. so I expect them to win the basketball game. You think Carolina is more talented than Notre Dame? i tell you what, Notre Dame's got a couple of players. They're, they're far underrated. By the way, good call there. They only beat Howard by three yesterday. Yeah, I would have put the point in the but the game game's already started. Game much more important for Howard. Absolutely for them, right. Obviously. All right, stay tuned to Visa. Up next, it's Betting Across America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 